0: God is so serious about how you treat your wife that she's key to your spiritual blessing. Peter says, I'm not just giving you good advice, guys. The spiritual vitality of your family, the spiritual vitality of your life, and the spiritual vitality of your home depends on how you treat your wife.
1: Welcome to Living a Legacy, presenting the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lawrence. Crawford is currently leading us through a series called Navigating Life's Challenges based on the book of 1 Peter. So far we've examined suffering as a gift, the hope of holiness, holiness as our identity, and how to thrive in a culture that's moving away from God. We'd love to have you join us for today's study. If you're new to our broadcast, a big welcome. Our speaker has served in Christian ministry for over 50 years. His books include Leadership as an Identity, Make it Home Before Dark, and a book he co-authored with his wife, Karen, called Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. If you've not been able to join us for this series, the previous messages are all available to stream on our website, and I'll have more information about that later. Our study takes us to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. through We're looking at the roles of husband and wife, and we'll hear the second part of Crawford's message, How to Thrive in Marriage. Now, you're probably aware of some degree of controversy these days over this passage as it relates to the word submit. Crawford made it clear in last week's message that submission for the wife has nothing to do with inherent worth and value. It doesn't mean putting the husband in the place of Christ or giving up efforts to influence your husband. It also doesn't mean to give in to every demand of your husband. Submission has to do with order of authority. Biblical marriage is one way to illustrate the relationship between Jesus Christ and His church. Let's learn more from 1 Peter chapter 3. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy.
0: Many, many couples who are in this category through the years, and we've known quite a, quite a few of them, whose testimonies go something like this. My husband, when I came to Christ, he hated everything that I, I stood for. He didn't want me to go to church. He didn't want me to go to any meetings at church. He made fun of my Bible study stuff. He just put me down and all this kind of stuff. And in those early years, we would even get into arguments and I would get into tears and try to convince him. But so many of them said the tipping point came when I stopped doing that. And I realized that I wasn't the Holy Spirit. And I realized that I needed to live better than what I said. And over time, because of the transforming power of the gospel in my life, the Spirit of God began to erode and work on resistance. And a number of them have marvelously come to Jesus. And I just want to encourage us, maybe you might be in that situation. You might be in a situation in which, man, you know, it's hard. But you've got to live more than what you say. And resist the temptation of constantly preaching. But live the life. You know, there's another uh, little issue that these folks were facing that many of us don't face. During the Greco-Roman, in the Greco-Roman world, a wife was expected to adopt the religion of her husband. Now you can imagine, some of these women are believers now, but they're married to these dudes who are not believers. And uh, uh, in fact, they are idol worshipers. And so, according to Greco-Roman custom of the time, the wife was to adapt and adopt uh, the the religion of her husband. And so you can only imagine that these Christian women, they were looked upon as kind of social radicals, which is all the more reason for them to make sure that the sweetness of Jesus and the transforming power of the gospel the eloquence of heaven was seen through their character and not necessarily through their words. See, submission is a pathway for supernatural impact in the home. And I think that's what Peter's trying to say. The life and attitude gives relational credibility to our message. Come down. Don't fight over this. Don't nag him. Don't erode him with words. Let Jesus be seen in your life. So first of all, there's this call to live under authority, and then secondly is to cultivate inner beauty. Cultivate inner beauty. Verse three, says, you know, uh, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, by the way, the word adorned there comes from the Greek word cosmos. It's the ordered universe. But we get the English transliteration, you get this? Cosmetic from that word. Now, I, I need to say something about this text. What Peter is not saying, he's not saying don't braid your hair. You know, uh, he's not saying don't put on jewelry because I see some ladies. <clears throat> he's not saying that. He's not saying don't wear makeup. That's not what he's saying here in the text. But what he's saying in "sex, don't be how you look, be everything you are. You know, and I got to tell you this, I'm, my heart is broken. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really nervous about, we, we have just this, this, this epidemic of body image related dysfunction. Uh, social media and all of this stuff has done stuff to us that is shameful. This, this, this epidemic of superficiality How I look is my worth and my value. I mean, it's painful. There's a difference between glamor and beauty. It's a difference. Glamor is artificial and external. True beauty is real and internal. And we gotta be careful that we don't depend on cheap externals. They are attractive, but ultimately, they're, they're betrayal to reality. And in our culture today, how we look is everything. The lack of substance with people. And let's be honest, come on, man. I want to go and turn some of these pictures of myself that we have around the house upside down. We got some of these old pictures of me where, you know, I was... (laughs) Flat belly, no glasses, a lot of hair. (laughs) (laughs) You know how depressing that is to walk past that and then look in the mirror and say, oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, I mean, your, your temple's cracking. <laughs> I see it, but we, what, what, what we need to do is understand that physical attractiveness fades over time, but real beauty, real beauty is more attractive over time. And so what Peter's saying to these women, look, don't, don't, don't get sucked into this. Make sure when people get to the temple, they discover a treasure and not an empty facade. Pay attention to this, the adornment of, of your heart, the hidden person of the heart, the depth and sweetness of your Christ-like character. And then thirdly, he says, draw attention, draw encouragement from history. And I think the, the, the reason why he goes back and he refers to Sarah and these ancient women, is that he says, you're not by yourself. This is not a new thing with you. You're not the only woman in history who's ever struggled with these issues. Take a look at them. Go back there, verse five, there's this key phrase, women who hoped in God, and that is a key expression here. And what he's saying here is that, look, 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 it's not the fact of your submission, but they submitted to their husbands because they were confident that God would reward those who put their trust in him. So your submission to your husband is not the deification of Leroy. Your submission to your husband is placing your confidence in God. They hoped in God. And then there's that line that's a troubling line for many. Um, In verse 6, yeah listen to this what Sarah said to Abraham, and as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, calling him Lord." Now I know I lost everybody around that one because you said, "Look, <laughs> I ain't calling Billy Bob here Lord." <laughs> now what he's saying here is this: is not not Lord with a capital L." This was a common, a common expression to, to show respect and dignity. It's Lord with a small L. And the point that Peter is making is that, you know, give your husband the respect and the dignity that his office, his office requires. Notice I didn't say that he has deserved because some men, some husbands do not live and act in a very respectable way but it's the office, given what he should become, not necessarily reflecting who he is. Now, having said that, Peter switches a little bit and he says, okay, gentlemen, likewise. Likewise, not in terms of what I said to your wives, but likewise, back to the last paragraph there, chapter two, and I talked about Jesus and his example and how he depended upon the Father likewise you gentlemen you need to create the environment you need to create the atmosphere in the home that makes it inviting the sweetness in the home that makes it inviting for your wife to respond to your leadership likewise and then he delineates <laughs> these kind of I think it was five responsibilities and let me go through them real quickly this is how you to live with this lady first of all he says and um, the opening part of verse, verse 7, he says, uh, she is your core priority. You treat her like your core priority. Notice the line says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives. We would quickly go past that, but I don't. You don't know about that. that word live there, you ought to circle that word. When he says live with your wives, it is, it is a word to dwell with them. And I think he's saying something more than we live at the same address, that we live at the same house. Uh, That's where she is, and so that's where I come home every night. That's not the implication of this. The implication of this is that it's the idea of making your wife and the relationship the core relational priority of your life. I dwell with her, and she knows her value, and she knows that she's the core priority in my life. It also implies that we build banks around the relationship to keep it flowing in the right direction. We also build boundaries around the relationship. So squatters don't come in, and uh, wrong priority doesn't ambush the relationship. And other people and other things and other pursuits are not more important than she is. She is the number one core priority of my life. So when he says live with her, He's not just saying, hey, look, y'all stay in the same bedroom. No, he is saying that she is your core priority. Next to Jesus Christ, everything else fades in obscurity. Secondly, she's to be your heart's pursuit. Where do you get that from? It says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way in an understanding way. Now, we make jokes about this, and and I think it's a little superficial. We make jokes about, why you know, women women are just impossible to understand. Well, I've met some dudes that are, you know, pretty impossible to understand. And I I get what we're talking about. We're different, I, I get all of that. But I actually think that he's laying a burden on these brothers to take the initiative of pressing into who she is walking away from your expectations and context and getting into her heart and her mind and living there. Let me suggest a few ways. You know, by the way, ignorance is, is, is dangerous in any area of life, but it's especially dangerous in marriage. How do we live with her in an understanding way? Number one is to study her. Study her. Study her. Uh, not, not, you know, not just, you know, what kind of clothes and style she likes and what, you know, what she likes to eat and all that kind of stuff. I think that's, that's part of it. But what is she going through? What season of life has she stepped into? What adjustments do I need to make based upon where she's at? Study her. I think dwelling with her in an understanding way means, number two, to listen to her. Listen to her. This is a hard one for me. I'm like, you know, typical dudes. I, I like to fix stuff. And by the way, sometimes we say stuff like that, and we kind of, that's a, sort of a backhanded way of, of making ourselves sound good. To so listen to her. Listen to what she's saying. Listen to what she's not saying. Listen. I think dwelling with an understanding means number three, to share with her Learn how to share from your heart with her. Well, I'm not that kind of person. Well, you better get there. (laughs) Not just what we think, but sharing how we feel. That's a hard one. Share how you feel. I, I think another thing that this implies in terms of living with them in an understanding way is to respond to her and not to react to her. You say, what's the difference? About 60 seconds. Just respond, pause. Number five, respect her. Respect her and require anybody that talks about her or talks, says anything about her in your presence to respect her. Respect her. And by the way, I wanna say this to you, and, just, and don't raise your voice at your wife. Don't raise your voice at her. Don't talk to her in any old kind of way. Don't let your kids do that, respect her. One of the rules of a rich household, you will respect your mother. And the final one is this, I suppose we could add more, spend time with her. I think these are some of the ways in which we can live with them in an understanding way. Uh, Thirdly, she is your precious treasure. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, there's been volumes written about this. If you look up commentaries on this text, you'll discover volumes written on this. What does weaker vessel mean? And I, I want to say a few things that I don't think it means. You know, I, I think sometimes we, as we, yes, men, we get in this typecasting thing. Well, you know, women are e- emotionally uh, more brittle than men. I don't know about that. I do not know about that. Uh, Women maybe typically might share their emotions more freely and articulate them better than we do, but I've met some pretty emotional dudes in my life, so I don't necessarily know that that's what that means. Oh, you know, uh, women can't handle uh, as much pain as we can. I know that's a lie, because I ain't never had no baby. And uh, so I ain't going down that road. It's a dumb man to say that, man. So I don't know about even the physical pain kind of thing. You know, they say, well, uh, well, you know, they, 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 they are, they are uh, uh, weaker in the sense that physically they're not as strong. Now, that may have a little bit to do with that because of the, the makeup, and the muscles, and that kind of thing. Although this place where I go to work out, there are a few women there that I ain't, I ain't trespassing. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> you know. But I think what the text means, you, you let the word speak for itself. Notice how he couples honor with weak vessel honor with weaker vessel honor with weaker vessel i think he's saying something a little bit more i i i think he's saying um, that she is priceless and precious it's kind of like the the, the 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 china that we have in our homes that we don't use every day only when, spe- when special times special guests come over and we don't throw that in the dishwasher either don't, don't handle that with care I think that's what he's saying here. She's precious, man. In fact, in fact, Paul helps us with that. I think when he says, he says, you you, you nourish and cherish your wife. The word cherish means to, to warm. Use a word that meant to bring close to your heart. And Peter's saying, hey, hey, come on, man. Treat that woman as the most valuable thing you've ever encountered. Fourthly, she is your gospel partner. That's what he says here. This is again the reason why I suggest Peter's not saying that to be submissive as a woman means that somehow you got less value or worth in the sight of God. He uh, comes right out and denies that in verse seven. He says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. What do you think, she's less important? You think that Jesus only died, you know, for you as a man? I think this implies three big things. Number one, obviously that she's not inferior. She's a partner, she's a gospel partner with you. Number two, it means that she's valued by God. Number three, that we have a mutual destination. And I'll throw a fourth one in here, and that is that we will both be rewarded. You're the head of your house, not because of your value and worth. You're the head of the house, not because you got more God in you. You got to understand that woman that you sleep next to, that you walk with, she's your gospel partner. You will be heirs together. And then finally, she is your sobering accountability. Says to the brother, now, just in case you don't get this, I need to tell you this. This is not just some good stuff that will help you to navigate through conflicts and experience joy and everything will be in order and you'll have a wonderful I need to tell you this God is so serious about how you treat this woman that she's key to your spiritual blessing Peter says I'm not just giving you good advice guys the spiritual vitality of your family the spiritual vitality of your life and the spiritual vitality of your home Depends on how you treat your wife. I think that there are two big implications here, gentlemen, God does not bless with his favor those who are abusing their authority. If you're nasty with your wife at home, if you're talking about her, if, you, if you're ignoring her, and, and uh, if you're mistreating her, and uh, silent treatment, and all of this other kind of thing, don't, don't get on your knees to pray. Don't volunteer for ministry, don't do that. Second implication is that, and I've already said it, how we treat our wives may determine the answers to our prayers. Why? Because Crawford, I placed you in a position of leadership so that you might always fall on your face before me and do right by the people you serve. I didn't put you there to impress people. I didn't put you there to show off. I put you there because I could trust you to depend upon me. Brothers, I made you the head of your house. So you would model to that woman and to those children and everybody looking at you, that you fear God and that you will do right by them even to your own hurt. So you tell me in this text who has the greater responsibility. So you want to be a leader? If you give a dance, you got to pay the band. It is my prayer that we would capture this vision and stop reflecting the culture around us. Stop reflecting the garbage around us. Some of us need to forget about how your daddy and your mama related to one another. They were dysfunctional, some of them. You can't go there. We gotta sing off of this script right here because the world needs to see this transforming model that gives a clear portrait into the power of a gospel.
1: Dr. Crawford Loretz here on Living a Legacy, wrapping up the second half of his message, How to Thrive in Marriage. Crawford is leading us through the series, Navigating Life's Challenges, based on the book of 1 Peter. If you missed out on any of the messages in the series so far, get caught up on our website. Look for the past programs link at livingalegacy.org. And you can download the entire series for free. Look for the MP3 link on the website, which will connect you to Moody Audio, where you can save these messages on your computer or MP3 device, livingalegacy.org. If you're finding the series helpful, please let us know. Your feedback and financial support helps ensure that we're here each week email us at at legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu. Thanks for being part of our study today. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Living a Legacy is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.